Why don't we just close our eyes? We'll just pray, eh? Before we start. Father, we just thank you, God. We just ask, Lord, that you, you use Arn, Father. Just speak through him to show what you want to show, Father, to reveal your heart here this morning, God. Let's pray, Lord, that, that what Arn speaks comes straight from you, Father, and just sinks into hearts here this morning to, to understand you, to know you, and just to see the, the reality of your beautiful Father heart. We just thank you for who you are, and we just thank you for this incredible man of God, Lord. And just pray blessing upon him as he brings this word, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All yours, pal. Amen. Well, good morning. Oh, the little children off to kids' church. Go and learn about Jesus. Hey? The kids. Off his go. Good morning, church. As we've already said, welcome if you're a visitor. Good to have you here in the meeting here this morning. It's um, always an honour and a privilege to be asked to share on the platform. Apologies for the for the uh, the bare feet. I just came from men's camp, so I'm on my thongs, but um, I'm feeling grounded. So all good. Um, Josh has a video before I get started. Josh has a video that he's going to play for me. I gave Josh a video to play for me. And I'm hoping he has it ready to roll. Let's let it go.
that was abrupt. Yeah, let's have the lights. Big bang, right? Right, yeah, just like that, big bang. I don't think so. Um, the purpose of me showing you that this morning was to just illustrate just the enormity of God and just he's just so beyond anything we can comprehend in terms of what he has created. And then he zeroes in and he comes right inside of us to our DNA, whatever a femometer is, that's pretty tiny, I'd say. <laughs> and he is intimately interested in each and every part of his internal universe and his external universe. God is good. Yeah? What an incredible reminder of, uh, of what he has done. And it continues to do, yeah? Continues to do. Can I please have a little less microphone... No, I can't have less microphone. Okay. Well, I'll just, I'll just close my ears. No, okay, no. That's better. Thanks, Winnie. I'm going to take you to Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verses 1 to 10. It'll be on the screen. Um, however, if you'd like to pull your Bibles out, or computers, or iPads, or whatever device you have. Smartphones. Haven't they changed our lives? Hey? Smartphones. Do you ever wonder what apps Jesus would have on his phone? Maybe something you could consider. If Jesus had an iPhone or a smartphone, what app would he have? He'd have Snapchat. Jesus would have Snapchat. He'd be down in the mall in surfers. He'd be Snapchatting the boys. Boys, get down here. I'm preaching the word. Oh, hang on. I'm the word. I'm preaching. I'm preaching me. Boys, get down here. Orchid Avenue, quickly, go. Snapchat. Jesus would have had Snapchat. Technology. Isn't it amazing? If used with discretion. Genesis, one, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman... Did God actually say, you shall, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her stupid husband that was standing with her. Oh, sorry, to her husband that was standing with her. And he ate too. Uh-huh. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. 
And they sewed fig leaves together and made, them, made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. We'll be focusing this morning, people of God, on verses 8 to 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. When I was a little bloke, probably about, not about, and it goes something like this, I was eight years old. And my dad used to have a workshop. And in that workshop, he would build furniture for the furniture shop. And um, in this little workshop, he'd be varnishing furniture and he'd be putting assembling furniture. And it was, um, it was where he basically did all of his work. And, and mum would be running the furniture store. Smart guy. Mum ran it. He built it. And I remember as a little boy, I was with Dad this one particular day. And near Dad's little shed, little workshop where he was working, there was, I was just outside running around in the car park. It was like all gravel on the road. And I saw a dog over there. And I was eight years old. Just a little tyke. I was little then. And I walked up to this dog, walked up to this dog. And unbeknownst to me, the whole time my dad was behind me, I didn't know this. So I walked up to this dog and I wanted to pat it. And this dog said, and scared me. Scared me so much that I just turned around and I just ran. Little eight-year-old. And where did I run to? Straight into the arms of my dad. And he held me. I can still smell the shavings of timber, the varnish. I can still, I can still taste the little lolly that he pulled out of his pocket and he unwrapped for me and he gave me just to calm me down. There was no safer place that I felt when I was in the arms of my dad. Tonight, today I want to share with you the heart of God. The heart of our heavenly God, our heavenly Father, and how God pursues us relentlessly and will never let us down. Let's just pray. Hey, let's commit this to God. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that you speak to us through it. I want to thank you that you've given me your voice. And I pray you speak through it today. I pray I get smaller and smaller as you become bigger and bigger. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will touch the hearts of people here as they hear it, not only for the first time, potentially, but again and again and again. Or maybe it is for the first time. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will touch their hearts, change their hearts, as only you can do. Father, we commit this to you because you are a good God and you love us. We thank you, Dad, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. God pursues Adam and Eve. Now, in verse 9, we read, it says there, that God actually calls out to the man. He calls out to him, where are you? I want to be with you. He knew where they were. He's God. He knew at this point what they had done. He's God. God, we believe, is sovereign. There's one of those churchy words, right? Sovereign. How often do you use sovereign in your everyday vocabulary? This entire event is so sovereign. So sovereign. What does it mean? God is sovereign. He is omniscient. God is all-knowing. That is, there are three parts of being sovereign, God being sovereign. He is all-knowing. He is all-wise. And He is all-seeing. He knows everything about everything. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There is nothing that is beyond his ability. There is nothing that is beneath him. He has unlimited power to do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and the way he wants to do it. All-powerful. We just saw an example of the power of our God and how small we are in comparison to who he is. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. We had an amazing conversation over the coffee table with my mum and Hank and my uncle and aunt that are here today. Good to see you guys. Thanks for coming. About the, about the all presence of God, omnipresent. He doesn't operate in a, in, in, in a three-dimensional world. He operates in a four-dimensional world. He, he actually can bend time. Right now, right in this very moment, God is with me at my birth. Back of your head just pops off. When my mother over there was giving birth to me. Well done. I was only a little baby. What was I, about six pounds or something? Six pounds, something like that. You know what I mean? He is there right now. And right now he is also at my deathbed. And he is also right now in this moment, right here, right now. He is all present. I don't get it. You don't get it. But I trust it. Because my God is bigger than that. And he knows all things. He sees all things. He is all powerful and he's all present. So now we have God, back to the text, going, Adam, Eve, where are you? He knows, yet he still calls out. That in itself explains the father's heart. The father's heart walking through the garden in the cool of the day, seeking to have a relationship with his kids. He's just looking for him. He is a father pursuing his children, walking through the garden. Where are you? He's a father who's also looking for his kids, 
not just walking, but looking for them, seeking after them. He's a father that calls out to his children. Where are you? The same father's heart today is calling out for you and he's calling out for me. Where are you? It's so easy to push aside, isn't it, that conversation? You know, we think about there will come a day. We are all on a headlong trajectory. I don't mean to be dark, to death. We are going to die. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it is going to happen to every person in this room. We will die. I pray Jesus comes before that happens. But we are heading towards that time. Now, we can either deal with that or we cannot deal with that. And so many people that I speak to in my work on a daily basis that come across my path, I speak to about this stuff and say, so what happens when you die? Oh, I don't really know. I don't really want to think about it. Well, I hate to tell you something, bro, but, mate, you're going to die. It will happen. Oh, I'd, rather not just, I'd rather not think about it. I'll deal with that later. Well, don't have an accident on the way home. <laughs> just be careful. We don't want to deal with it. A lot of people just don't want to think about it. Some people don't deal with it at all, ever in their lives, unfortunately, and come to that point. So what is our response when we think about those things? Those of us in the room that have perhaps not responded to God, where are you? Why did they hide? Why did Adam and Eve hide from God? I'll tell you, they hid because they were naked. Very interesting. Go back to the text. They hid because they were naked and they were afraid. Did they hide because they had disobeyed God? We ate from the fruit. We were frightened of what God might do. No. The text tells us they hid because I was naked and I hid myself. Fear of being naked. They were more concerned about how their nakedness and exposure made them feel. Made them feel. Not what they had actually done towards God. Their exposure and their nakedness made them feel shame. They felt vulnerable. They're in the garden. So they hid. They were exposed. They were more concerned about their own comfort. They were not in any way concerned or about their disobedience or their disappointment to their father or how perhaps that had affected their relationship with their heavenly father the text doesn't say that they were frightened because they were naked they hid because they were afraid yet through their act of disobedience and eating the forbidden fruit that God had told them not to eat of their relationship with their dad was completely, was fractured. It was fractured. Not just fractured for Adam and Eve, it was fractured for the entire human race. From that moment on, the relationship between mankind and God was fractured. That's what it was. That's what they'd done. Yet they were hiding behind 
their fear and hiding behind their nakedness and their feelings around that. What are you hiding behind? What are you hiding behind? Are you hiding behind your work? I'm too busy. I can't deal with this right now. I'm building my empire. Are you hiding behind your your own definition of success? When I get to that, then I'll deal with that maybe. Are you hiding behind success? Are you perhaps hiding behind your own self-image? Perfect body, beautiful selfie, looking great. We hide behind that insecurity. Yeah? I work in, a, in, a hair, in the hair and beauty industry. I know, hard to believe, right? And I see it, what? And I see it every day. People hiding behind their self-image. Hiding behind how they look. The external, not the internal. What about hiding behind social media? Showing an incredible lifestyle that I'm living. If I see another meal, seriously, on social media, just enjoy it, will you? Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> look at my car. Look at my boat. Look at my house. Look at my meal. Look at my kids. Look at my amazing holiday. Hiding behind it. Showing the world that I've got it all together. I'm not hiding. What are you hiding behind? When you hear the when you hear God the Father calling out to you, do you feel you felt like you want to hide? Do you feel unclean? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. If you only knew the life I'd lived or living, God would never ever accept me anyway. Or because of that, are you feeling shame? God would never accept me. He could never love me. Or are you feeling vulnerable? You don't touch me. I built a wall around me. No one will break through that wall of vulnerability. Yet even then, at that point in the garden, when Adam and Eve blew it, fractured the relationship between mankind and God, God, even then, even then, promised a way to heal that relationship. And that promise was made, and he said, I will crush the head of Satan. And that is the incredible image and the prophecy that Jesus is coming to conquer sin, to conquer death, and reconnect humanity back to him. (laughs) Amazing, what an amazing story. Praise God. I've hidden. At 29, I lost my dad. I lost the rudder of my life. I had an amazing relationship with my dad. 56, he was taken. He's in heaven. And I'll see him again. But at 29, I was a, I was a married man with my second child on the way. 
and he was my ballast. Sorry for the boating terminology. He, he was my center. He, way, he, he just kept me even keeled. There we go again. And the rudder. Can't help it. But I lost dad, 29. I then gravitated towards my father-in-law at the time. Two years later, he died. He was taken from me. So here I am, a 31-year-old, two children, one, two, confused, without ballast, without a rudder. I'll never forget the very night my father, I'll just go back to the death of my father. The, 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 the night of the death of my father, I was standing over his bed. His best mate was standing up on the opposite side of the bed. And I said to John, John, what do I, where do I go now? And he looked at me, he goes, mate, I don't know. And then, as I said, two years later, I lost my father-in-law. So I'm 31 years old. I'm involved in church at that time. In fact, I'm involved in church leadership. At 20 years old, I made a commitment to Jesus and said, I will live my life for you. For the next 10 years, I carried a lot of shame, the things that I did. It was nothing for me to be walking around with a gram of speed and three pills in my pocket. That was just a normal weekend. Places I was, I found myself sitting. The things I did, I got into bodybuilding, insecure, pumping steroids into my body to be perfect, to be accepted, to be loved. Not by anyone else, but by me. I was hiding. At the age of 41, everything was taken from me. I lost my, uh, my, my marriage had ended. I was now a part-time father. I'd lost my house. I eventually lost my job. I had nothing but a suitcase, and that was all I had. And then God spoke to me in this incredible, miraculous way through his creation. I was sitting on the balcony in this dumpy motel in Labrador with everything I owned in a suitcase behind me on my bed. Sitting outside drinking a Jim Beam and Coke with a cigarette in my hand. And God sent a bird. Don't laugh. Because remember, he's all powerful. He can do anything. Sitting on that railing, it sat there for half an hour. Now, I've never had it happen before. Never have it happen again. But it just sat there. Now, I'm not into birds. I don't know what it was. It was just a bird, right? And I'm sitting there. And every time I looked at this bird... For half an hour, guys, it would actually, like whistle, it would actually sing to me. And I heard God's voice through it saying, I still love you. 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 Jesus said, come as you are. No matter where you are. I didn't do a 180-degree turnaround and suddenly, you know what? 
I was, I was no longer addicted to pornography. I was no longer, I mean, it was a journey for me. But you know what I did do? I suddenly put my trust in him. And when he has always been there, he lives inside of me. I am lost, but you found me. Through nothing that I had done, but everything that he had done for me. Where are you, Arn? He called. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life, Jesus said. He's calling you today. No matter where you're at in your life. That was only six years ago for me. My mother's never heard this before. Thank God for grace, right? Thanks, Mom. <laughs> but I am a testament to the journey of what God has done and doing for me on a daily basis. I have been transformed by the renewing of my mind. Was I renewed? I am being renewed. Was it renewal? It is renewing. It is a journey of change, a journey of trust, a journey of surrender, and a journey of making myself vulnerable and going, I haven't got it all together, Jesus. You take the wheel, because I can't drive anymore. Take the wheel. A father's heart of love for us was so intense, so intense, that he promised to send the perfect sacrifice to re reconnect that relationship between us and him. And that sacrifice was Jesus. Oh, Jesus. That was the Father's heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. What were the first words in that? For God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever would believe in him would not die but live eternally with him. He didn't come to judge the world. He came to set us free. No more fear. No more fear. Like Adam and Eve. Remember Adam and Eve? Thanks, Sean. No more Adam and Eve hiding in the garden because they were afraid. Romans 8, 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into what? Fear. That's what Adam and Eve were feeling, fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. We are now his children adopted as his children, adopted as sons and daughters by whom we cry. Papa. Daddy, I no longer had an earthly father that I could call Papa. I'm, and you know what? There are some people here that have had pretty bad Papas. But can I assure you, your heavenly Papa will not let you down. Cry to him. He is calling you. Where are you? My earthly dad can't wrap me up in his arms anymore. 
He will again. One day. But that's okay. Because I've got God. He is my Father. And He loves me and He loves you. And He will never, never let you go. He never let me go. He will provide for me. He will protect me. Will it be an easy journey? No, I was never promised an easy journey. I was just promised that He would be with me all the way, strengthen me, love me, protect me, watch over me, and I put my trust in Him. You take the wheel, Jesus. You take the wheel. And what is my response to that? My response is to go into all the world and bear the image and the love that God, this beautiful, incredible, heavenly Father, today on Father's Day has shown me and is showing you right now. Carry the image of God in wherever you go. The love that He has for us is so intense. Love is, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. Love isn't proud. Love doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Selfish. It's not easily angered. Working on that. It keeps no record of wrongs. I'm working on that too. Through God's strength. Love does not delight in what is evil, but love rejoices in what is true. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. And love always perseveres and endures all things. Do you know the love of the Father? Have you responded to that love of the Father? If you haven't, let me encourage you, don't wait another minute. Don't put it aside. I'll deal with that later. Life is so fragile. I lost my dad like that. Don't put it off. Where are you? Where are you? God is calling you. The love of the Father. Let us worship together. Let's stand together and praise God for what He has done. He is such a good God, such a good, good, good Father. Let's sing. Let's, let's praise Him together.